Welcome to the Movie Planet. Joining me is the Ultron to my vision, Steve. Welcome back to the MCU, buddy. I am glad to be back. I'm glad I've been away for a little too long. I'm glad we're doing this again. I'm so amped up and excited to finally do another Avengers Yeah, actually, we took a little bit of a break. We record these usually ahead of time, and we took like almost a month break between the last movie and Ultron here. It's, it's kind of like getting your sea legs back again. Just trying to make sure that we do these Avengers movies right. These are the big ones. In my opinion, these like Avengers movies, yeah. the ones we do in the future, those are like the big MCU movies. So we got to take our time and do it right. These are the milestone markers. We got to make sure. And unfortunately, we're at the, I think, the weakest of all the Avenger movies with this oh, one. Oh, yes. So, but it's got some good things, but hey, Let's talk about the Pantheon here. On this show, we'll be keeping track of all the movies worth your time in our movie Planet Pantheon. And the comic book movie Planet Preserve is comprised of seven and only seven films. In order to be inducted, it's got to be reviewed by us. And these movies are number one is Deadpool. Number two is Iron Man. Number three is The Dark Knight. Number four is Batman Begins. Number five, Captain America, The Winter Soldier. Thank you. Number six, Marvel's The Avengers. And number seven, Captain America. Your boy, Captain America, the first Avenger, is still hanging on strong. That's that, that's still a pretty good top seven. I still like that. I don't know how long uh, our boy Cap is going to be on there as a, uh, as a solo project. He's great. He's, I just films, I don't know so much. I just don't. And we'll get into that because I'm I I've got questions. OK, so. <laughs> The higher the grade we give it, the longer it may be staying there. Only a film with a higher grade can kick it down on its butt from the preserve in the future. So we will discuss the movie, and in an hour or so, we will analyze it and grade it and figure out if we need to boot a movie out. This is a spoiler-rich podcast, so if you haven't seen 2015's Avengers Age of Ultron, you got to stop here, you got to watch the movie, and then you got to turn us back on to enjoy our discussion and analysis and any little tidbits that you may have missed along the way that we're going to point out frantically. But now that we've finished that business, let's get down to business. This week, we are discussing 2015's Avengers Age of Ultron, a movie made for a paltry $250 million that brought in a slight $1.4 billion worldwide. Woo! Yeah, that's Woo! quite a hefty, th- a hefty bring in for sure. Yeah, written and directed by Joss Whedon, so he came back for this one. And produced by Kevin Feige, music by Brian Tyler and Danny Elfman. Yes, Beetlejuice's Danny Elfman, starring Robert Downey Jr. as Tony Stark, Chris Hemsworth as Thor, Mark Ruffalo as Bruce Banner or the Hulk, Chris Evans as Captain America, Scarlett Johansson as Natasha Romanoff or Black Widow, Jeremy Renner as Hawkeye, James Spader as the voice of Ultron. Odd choice, and I'm sure we'll get into that. Samuel L. Jackson as Nick Fury, Don Cheadle as James Rhodes, Aaron Taylor Johnson as Quicksilver, Elizabeth Olsen as Scarlet Witch, Paul Bettany as the voice of Jarvis, and eventually the android Vision. Kobe Smulders as Maria Hill, Anthony Mackie as Sam Wilson, Haley Atwell as Peggy Carter, Idris Elba as Heimdall, Linda Cardellini as Laura Barton, Stellan Skarsgård as Eric Selvig, Claudia Kim as Dr. Helen Cho, Andy Serkis as Ulysses Claw, Stan Lee as a military veteran who bites off a little more than he can chew in a drinking contest with Thor, and Josh Brolin as Thanos. Wow. Well done. Woo! Felt good that to read that cast. off. That is a cast. Oh boy! Any any anything that you want to point out in this cast list here, which is seems like th- one person doesn't belong. <laughs> so it was interesting because I've seen this movie a couple times, yes. and 
the first couple times I saw it, and then all of a sudden, just now recently when I saw it, it's like, holy crap, that is Andy Circus. Yes, it I, is. I, did, I was so surprised because he's, I'm just not used to seeing him because he's all this, he's the CGI characters. Right. You know, your Gollum and from your um, Planet of the Apes Caesar. Movies, to actually see him on screen is actually, I was like, wow, that's what he really looks like. He does a great job. Yeah. But for me, the odd one out here is Claudia Kim as Dr. Helen Cho. If you if you don't know who she is, she is the doctor who's always working on the vision person. Or she's the Asian actress at the party that asks about Thor. She was supposed to have a bigger role in this movie. Yeah, I guess now that you make, make it seem, it seems like she's, there was something bigger behind um, her character. Yeah. There was, maybe should have evolved into something later. There was supposed to be something more there, and I think it got cut in the script along the way. I remember she was one of the first people that was hired outside of the original cast. And it was like, wow, look, we got Claudia Kim. And everybody went, that's fantastic. Who is that? So was there any, was there any like thing like online that said that what she could have represented it? Because the first thing I think of right now is anything linked to the Mandarin. At the time, they were trying to get a lot of funding from China, and so many people thought this was just typecasting to get the money. Like, hey, let's put a Chinese actress in there, and maybe they will get money now from China. But in reality, it turned out that in the script, she was going to be another possible love interest for Thor. Okay. Yeah. So, but again, that's that's why there's the hint of, will, will Thor be there? You know? And they never do anything with it. You know what? Thor just gets all the ladies. The smart ones. He really he, he's into doctors. Yes. Yeah. But Steve, I'm going to stop right here. Let's go into the making of this movie. Don't get on the set, get ready to shoot, and then ask for rewrites. Studios do this crap all the time, and they wonder why they end up with a shit movie. Smoke and mirrors, guys! Welcome to the movie factory. Movie? You know, I hate the word movie. I don't make movies, I make films. It culminate in a second Avengers film. In March 2012, Joss Whedon, director of the first film, stated that he would want a sequel to be, quote, smaller, more personal, more painful, by being the next thing that should happen to these characters and not just a rehash of what seemed to work for the first time. By having a theme that is completely fresh and organic to itself, end quote. Despite the production of the film becoming increasingly wider in scope, Feige maintained that this was not their intention, always looking to see where the team wanted to take the characters over how to make it bigger than the Avengers. At the premiere of The Avengers, Feige said the studio had an option for Whedon to return as director. In May 2012, after the successful release of the first film, Disney CEO Bob Iger announced a sequel was in development. Most of the film's cast members were under contract to potentially appear in the sequel. However, Robert Downey Jr. was not, as his four-picture deal with Marvel expired after Iron Man 3. At the 2012 San Diego Comic-Con International, Whedon said he was undecided about directing. However, in August 2012, Iger announced that Whedon would return to write and direct the sequel and develop the Marvel television series Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. for ABC. Later in the month, 
Disney set a May 1st, 2015 release date. When asked about his decision to return, Whedon said, quote, Avengers 2? It wasn't a tough decision. For a long time, I thought, well, it's just not going to happen. Then, when I actually started to consider it, it became so clear that I desperately wanted to say more about these characters. It would have been an easy no, and it was a spectacularly easy yes. There was no wrestling, end quote. Whedon said that they intended for the film's production to not be as rushed as the first one. In December 2012, Whedon stated that he had completed an outline for the film. In February, at the 2013 Jameson Dublin International Film Festival, Whedon said that death would play a theme in the sequel. And in March, he said that he looked to The Empire Strikes Back and The Godfather Part II as inspirations. Feige revealed that Captain Marvel, who starred in her own MCU film in 2019, appeared in an early draft of the screenplay, but was removed since the character had not yet been cast, saying, quote, it didn't feel like the time. We didn't want to introduce her fully formed, flying in a costume before you knew who she was or how she came to be, end quote. We didn't even went so far as to shoot visual effects plates for Captain Marvel to fly into Avengers headquarters at the end of the film. Those shots were reused. However, they were for Scarlet Witch instead. Feige also revealed that an early draft of the script had Hulk's Quinjet detected near Saturn at the end of the film, but it was finally decided to keep it Earth-based and leave his fate ambiguous in order to dispel rumors that a film based on the Planet Hulk comic storyline was in development, which Marvel Studios had no plans to adapt at the time. Marvel would later decide to adapt Planet Hulk for the film Thor Ragnarok, in which Hulk does end up leaving Earth. Now, by April 2013, filming was scheduled to begin in early 2014 at Shepperton Studios in England. At the Hollywood premiere of Iron Man 3, Whedon said that he had completed a draft of the script, started the storyboard process, and met with actors. Whedon also mentioned that he wrote with Downey in mind and included a brother-sister act from the comic books, later confirming that he was referring to Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch. Whedon explained his rationale for including the characters in the film, saying, quote, their powers are very visually interesting. One of the problems I had on the first one was everybody basically had punchy powers. Quicksilver's got super speed. Scarlet Witch can weave spells and a little telekinesis, get inside your head. There's good stuff that they can do that will help sort of keep it fresh, end quote. Though he cautioned he was not throwing in more characters for the sake of doing that. Whedon stated that the twins allowed him to add more conflict. Quote, they don't like America and they don't like the Avengers. The Avengers are like a world power and not everybody's on board with the Avengers coming in and starting fights, even in the name of justice. So you need that dissenting voice and you need to understand it and sympathize with it. End quote. Because Marvel Studios shares the film rights to Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch with 20th Century Fox and had to avoid conflict with Fox's X-Men films, Whedon introduced two important characters into the Marvel Cinematic Universe completely on his terms for the first time, which allowed him to connect their origin stories to the universe that they created and avoid the concept of mutants. Whedon relished at the storytelling opportunities by introducing a character with telepathic powers, explaining... It meant we could spend a little time inside the Avengers' heads, either their past or their impressions of what's going on, or their fears, or all of the above. By May, 
Downey had entered negotiations to extend his contract with Marvel Studios and reprise his role as Iron Man in the film. A month later, Downey signed on to return for the, for the then-untitled Avengers sequel, as well as a third Avengers film. At the 2013 San Diego Comic-Con International, Whedon announced the film would be subtitled Age of Ultron. Despite the subtitle, the film is not based on the 2013 comic book miniseries Age of Ultron. Feige explained that they simply liked the title Age of Ultron, but the plot was taken from decades of Avengers story arcs. Whedon added that Ultron's origin would differ from his comics roots and that Hank Pym would not be involved with Ultron's creation. Whedon disclosed that Edgar Wright had rights to the character first through his inclusion in Ant-Man, which was already in development. He also thought that Ultron needed to be conceived through Avengers, and since they already had Tony Stark and Bruce Banner on the team, it would not make sense to bring in a third scientist. Whedon also said the film would have a darker tone due to Ultron's involvement. The title of the film came as a surprise to many fans who were expecting Thanos, the mastermind behind the events of the first film, to be the main villain in the sequel. With Whedon saying, quote, Thanos was never meant to be the next villain. He's always been the overlord of villainy and darkness, end quote. Commenting on finding the right balance between technology and fantasy-based heroes in Avengers Age of Ultron, Feige said, quote, Iron Man is a very technological hero. His movies are always technologically based. The first Thor was all about introducing Asgard and Thor in that more fantastical realm into the more reality-based MCU. As we go into Ultron, clearly he does come out of technology, but we're using all our tools at our disposal that we've established so far as part of the MCU to build the storyline of Age of Ultron." End quote. Casting continued into August 2013 with the announcement that James Spader would play Ultron, in November, Marvel confirmed that Elizabeth Olsen and Aaron Taylor Johnson would play the Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver, respectively. Taylor Johnson had been in negotiations since as early as June, while Olsen's potential involvement was first reported in August. By the end of the year, Mark Ruffalo, Chris Evans, Samuel L. Jackson, Chris Hemsworth, Scarlett Johansson, Jeremy Renner, and Kobe Smulders were confirmed to be returning to their roles from the first film and Don Cheadle, who portrayed James Rhodes in the Iron Man films, had committed to a part in the film. In the early months of 2014, Thomas Kretschmann was cast as Baron Wolfgang von Strucker, Claudia Kim was cast in an unspecified role, and Paul Bettany, who voiced Jarvis in previous MCU films, was cast as the Vision. Whedon said juggling all the characters in the film was a nightmare, explaining, quote, they're very disparate characters. The joy of the Avengers is that they really don't belong in the same room. It's not like the X-Men, who are all tortured by the same thing and have similar costumes. These guys are just all over the place, and so it's tough. Honestly, this is as tough as anything I've ever done. End quote. Now, following the completion of principal photography, several more cast members were revealed, including Stellan Skarsgård, Anthony Mackie, Idris Elba, and... Tom Hiddleston, reprising their roles from previous MCU films. However, Hiddleston's scenes did not make the theatrical cut of the film, with Whedon saying that what was shot didn't play, and he did not want the film to feel overstuffed. According to Tom Hiddleston, quote, 
In test screenings, audiences had overemphasized Loki's role, so they thought that because I was in it, I was controlling Ultron, and it was actually imbalancing people's expectations. End quote. Whedon later explained that Elba and Atwell appear in the film because of exploring the psyches of the Avengers from Scarlet Witch's power, and in early 2015, Linda Cardellini and Julie Delpy were confirmed to be part of the film's cast also. At the same time, Whedon stated that the film would not contain a post credit scene, which had become customary for MCU films. Whedon tried to come up with a post credit scene, but felt that he could not top the shawarma scene in The Avengers, explaining, it didn't feel, didn't seem to lend itself in the same way, and we wanted to be true to what it felt right. The first rule of making a sequel is to take the best moments and do something else. Don't do the Indiana Jones gun trick again differently. Just go somewhere else. Don't try to hit the same highs, because people will sense it. However, Kevin Feige clarified, quote, There will be a tag, but there's not a post-post-credit scene. In May 2015, Whedon revealed that he was in conflict with Marvel executives and the film's editors about certain scenes in the film. The executives were not thrilled with the scenes at Hawkeye's farm or the dream sequences the Avengers experienced because of Scarlet Witch. Also, Whedon had originally shot a much longer scene with Thor and Selvig in the cave, but the final version is shorter as test audiences did not respond well to the original cut. In the scene, Thor would be possessed by a Norn, a goddess of destiny, while Selvig would quiz her about Thor's hallucination. Additionally, Whedon reiterated he had wanted to include Captain Marvel and Spider-Man at the end, but deals for each character, the signing of an actress, and a deal with Sony Pictures Entertainment, respectively, were not completed in time for their inclusion. All right, so that's all over with. Steve, do you remember seeing this movie for the first time? What did you think? So, of course, this was obviously part of my Joe journey. <laughs> um, like many of the films, I remember it being tough to follow. Um, oh. I feel like I, I missed a lot of things the first time that I saw this, and then now seeing this for like the second time, or maybe even the third time, I think the second time, that's when I started noticing a lot. You know, yeah. the Wakanda stuff, the um, Andy Serkis's character, everything was just starting to click. Oh my God, this movie's like, I enjoy it a lot better now because of now that the MCU is kind of completed, I guess. Yeah. There are four phases. Well, the Infinity Saga. holds a little bit better. How about you? Uh, for me, I thought it took the the original Avengers movie, which felt very comic-y. It looked like it was torn right out of the pages of a comic book and then made this one a little more serious in its stakes. I mean, this wasn't an alien invasion. This was a man-made problem. And I really respected what they attempted. And I'm going to underline that word, attempted here. <laughs> See what you did there. Yeah, because, I mean, how do you how do you go bigger than an alien invasion? I mean, it doesn't get bigger than that. And out, it's attacking Earth at that point. This one, we created it ourselves, and we live in a time at, when this comes out when social media, the internet, it's everywhere, it's free everywhere, and unfortunately, it is the doom for this movie because Ultron oh. lives in the internet. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It almost kind of felt like it had... I don't know if you're going to like this or not. <laughs> no. I almost sounded, sounded like it had a, like a Winter Soldier feel to it. Yes. Yeah, there were definitely parts that did. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, are you ready to walk through this movie? 
dude, man, let's do it. Okay, here's a little clip from the film. All our work is gone. Ultron cleared out. Used the internet as an escape hatch. Ultron. He's been in everything. Files, surveillance. Probably knows more about us than we know about each other. He's in your files. He's in the internet. What if he decides to access something a little more exciting? Nuclear codes. Nuclear codes. Look, we need to make some calls. Assuming we still can. Nukes? He said he wanted us dead. He didn't say dead. He said extinct. He also said he killed somebody. There wasn't anyone else in the building. Yes, there was. This is insane. Jarvis was the first line of defense. He would have shut Ultron down. It makes sense. No. Ultron could have assimilated Jarvis. This isn't strategy. This is rage. Whoa, whoa, whoa. It's going around. Come on, use your works, buddy. I have more than enough words to describe you, Stark. Thor, the Legionnaire. <laughs> Trail went cold about 100 miles out, but it's headed north. And it has the scepter. Now we have to retrieve it again. Genie's out of that bottle. Clear and present is Ultron. I don't understand. You built this program. Why is it trying to kill us? <laughs> You think this is funny? No. It's probably not, right? This is very terrible. Is it so? Is it so? It's, it is. It's so terrible. This could have been avoided if you hadn't played with no. something you don't I'm understand. Sorry. I'm sorry. It is funny. It's a hoot that you don't get why we need this. Tony, maybe this might not be the time. Really? That's it. You just roll over, show your belly every time somebody snarls. Only when I've created a murder bot. We didn't. We weren't even close. Were we close to an interface? Well, you did something right. And you did it right here. The Avengers were supposed to be different than she. Anybody remember when I carried a nuke through a wormhole? No, it's never come up. Save no, New York? Never heard that. Recall that? A hostile alien army came charging through a hole in space. We're standing 300 feet below it. We're the Avengers. We can bust arms dealers all the live long day, but that up there, that's, that's the end game. How are you guys planning on beating that? Together. We'll lose. And we'll do that together too. Thor's right. Ultron's calling us out. And I'd like to find him before he's ready for us. The world's a big place. Start making it smaller. A year has passed since S.H.I.E.L.D. collapsed with the reemergence of the terrorist organization HYDRA. With S.H.I.E.L.D. no longer heading their operations, the Avengers reassemble for the first time in three years to track down and eliminate HYDRA cells themselves, using Tony Stark's resources to help. Their latest mission brings them to the location of the alien scepter that Loki utilized during the Chitauri invasion. 
the, the scepter is now in the possession of Baron Wolfgang von Strucker, one of the notorious heads of Hydra who has been using energy drawn from the alien weapon to power advanced weaponry, as well as attempting to empower living humans. Now, Steve, is the von Strucker name familiar to you? It sounds like the character or one of the characters from Iron Man 2. I'm going to do you one better. The Von Struckers were a big family in the, the TV show, The Gifted. Yeah, Ooh. they were the Von Struckers. Okay. okay. So they're supposed to be a relationship there. Now, The Gifted was in the X-Men universe, so obviously it doesn't yes. count in the MCU. But that is the, the line right there in the comics. Okay, so for oh. me... After this first part, listen, I like that the Avengers appear to be mission ready now as opposed to, okay, guys, we got to get along. How are we going to do this? It just seemed like they worked better as a team this time. Yeah. Yeah. They sounded like they just how the whole entire montage goes, all the action shots and the fighting scenes, they all seem to be on point with each other. Like they've been doing this for years. Yeah. Um, And it says, you know, in the beginning, it says only a year has been passed since S.H.I.E.L.D. collapsed. But it seems like within that year. They've had a lot of missions together. Like they're going off each other really well. They put, yeah, it's almost, it's like watching a good basketball team, like doing no look passes. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yep. uh, I love that. The fact that the first line of dialogue in this is the word. <laughs> <laughs> and then you hear cap say language. And at that point, oh. I'm like, Oh my God, I love this movie already. They got Tony, right? He runs into something, says, <laughs> and you got the boy scout language. <laughs> Oh, you know what? See, I liked all the action shots and the Avengers fighting and the CGI. All that looked really cool. But you know what? When I saw that, when um, Cap said his language, I immediately was like, I threw my hands up in the air. I was like, oh, I don't like Cap anymore now. No, but that's oh. hysterical. He's a man out of time. That's like 1950s right there. It is. But at the same time, it's just like this little poster boy, goody two-shoe guy. I'm just like, ugh. Okay, I, know. What, what, I, I I get both of them, but it's still like, okay, here we go. You know? Wouldn't you agree, though, you need the other side of the coin to Tony? Because if every if you take Cap out of that, you've got a bunch of people with very problematic morals. <laughs> no, no, that's true. He is, Cap is definitely the moral compass in the group. Yeah. Yes, I agree. Uh, anything stick out for you in this scene? Um, I thought, like I said, you know, the fighting scenes were really, really cool. I uh, had some awesome, very CGI looking, um, but the slow motion shot of all of them on screen fighting, oh, like yeah. in a line. I just like I loved how that paused and that whole montage. I really to me, I thought that was really cool. The slow motion shot was one of those shots. It was like I remember seeing that in the trailer and I was like, OK, that's a comic book cover right there. I don't know. For me. Yeah, there were times when the CGI looked really sharp, but there were times when it looked like Thor was moving at one point five speed. Yes, like it would I speed up that. randomly. Yeah. And I didn't know if it was because they kept doing slow mo and then going back to real time and slow mo back to real time. It was very, very jerky. It was like they were trying to show off everybody's like moves in slow motion and then they'd quickly cut to somebody else but when they did that it almost went too fast yeah i mean i don't know but these marvel movies and how big they've been getting over the last you know, bunch of movies that they've done so far i was curious if all the cgi stuff and all the new effects that we're doing were just new to movie in general yeah so maybe they were just like okay we're gonna experiment trying to do this and you know in the beginning of anything it doesn't look too well off the bat but the more you do it the more it gets perfected the more it looks better yeah so but yeah, you're right. I, it did feel rushed a little bit. But here's the thing. I think there's a reasoning for the rush, and I don't think it's anybody's fault on this that made the movie. Because when they made this, Joss Whedon was asked to do the second movie. He was going to be the guy that does all the Avengers movies. And when they gave him that movie, 
things kind of slowed up in trying to get the process done for the movie. And they, they had to keep the theatrical date. They couldn't move the theatrical date. So it was almost like, I think they finished production at one point and they did, they almost had half the time to get all the pre or post-production done. So you can see a lot of points in this where they kind of, you know, shook the camera a little bit so they could mask some of the bad special effects in there. But they were rushed in making this movie. So, Disney, that's, that's your fault. A raid on Strucker's base in the Eastern European country of Sokovia commences with the Avengers battling Hydra forces to reclaim the scepter. During the battle, without Strucker's approval, two of his agents join the fray, Pietro and Wanda Maximoff, Sokovian twins who are the only humans to have survived exposure to the X-Men universe. I mean, to the scepter's energy. Nope. And have... Nope. Sorry about that. And have gained supernatural powers as a result of Fox giving them the. Oh, I'm sorry. As a result, Pietro can move at superhuman speeds, while Wanda possesses a powerful plethora of psionic powers that nobody can figure out what the hell they are. The twins are able to hold their own against the Avengers, but are unable to prevent the heroes from capturing Strucker. Stark finds the scepter, and Wanda attempts to stop him by using her weird powers to implant a vision into his mind. In his vision, Stark sees his teammates dead, while the Chitauri launch an even larger invasion on Earth. Upon seeing Stark's nightmare, Wanda suspiciously allows him and the Avengers to take the scepter away before fleeing with her brother. Now, Steve, I'm sorry, I gotta reemphasize this. I love Iron Man and Cap's relationship in this whole scene. It's clearly a partnership. <laughs> yeah, it is. Cap is well to me, and it was all—he was already really annoying. Um, and I'm glad that you know the rest of the team kind of teases him for this. Oh yeah, it's you know, great. He makes one little slip up, and they're just like, "Okay, we're gonna pick on him now." You know. Um, <laughs> again, I like Cap when he's in his solo films, just not so much with the group. Well, you know what he, I was watching when I watched this a second time because I did watch it a second time over the last couple of weeks, and I I realized why Cap probably rubs people the wrong way, and it's because he is the Cyclops of this team. Oh gosh, yes, wow. I mean, Cyclops. Everybody likes Wolverine. Nobody likes Cyclops. He's the goody goody. Yeah, no, that's totally spot on. Because yeah, when, in all the other movies, he's the He's the moral compass, yeah. But he's, he's also he's, he's the unquestioned doer. leader. <laughs> like, yes. you, you, if you're going to follow one of these guys, you kind of follow the guy who might be the Boy Scout. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I will say this. Something I had a problem with in the last movie, uh, Winter Soldier, that is no longer a problem, which is Cap has something on his wrist now that calls the shield back to him, and I'm so glad that they've got that in there because I needed it explained in the last movie. Yeah, that was really neat to see the... Um, uh, laws of physics actually be a little bit help there on how he gets his shield back granted there are still some crazy things that that shield did yes um, but the fact that he has something that calls it back is really really cool yeah i agree what about it you Any, anything here um the russians yeah <laughs> the um the slavic and the Fr <laughs> whatever they were i i didn't even know you know it was really good they they, they bashed the americans <laughs> i'll tell you they speak excellent English. They really I mean, are they eloquent. must have gotten like a, uh, you know, I don't know, an American education or something. Right. I mean, at that point, because it's all overseas, I, I think it would have been a lot more meaningful. Again, maybe Star Wars should have done this too. Um, they should have just subtitled it. 
you know, <laughs> that would have made it a little bit more of a terrorist type threat. Yeah. You know, that everybody's so used to. I love the fact that I thought there was an Olsen. There's an Olsen twin in here. How cool is that? Oh, no, that's I mean, not a twin. No, you're, you're right. She's the older one, but oh, they all look the same. But I just was like, okay, there's an Olsen. You know, yeah. and she has a twin. So I thought that was really nice. <laughs> yes. Elizabeth Olsen and her twin brother in this, which is uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson. Yeah. But o- this Olsen is actually the younger Olsen from the Olsen twins. Oh, I thought it was the older one. No, she's o- she's younger than them. So she, it was kind of like you had the Olsen twins growing up and it's like, well, they'll be stars. And no one paid attention to little as little Elizabeth. And now she's the star and no one cares about the twins. <laughs> God, she is. Uh, she is more of a star than those two, I think, ever and because of all these movies that she's done and okay she's a really good actress but she suffers from Halle Berry syndrome in the X-Men movies in that in the first X-Men movie Halle Berry was Storm and she had a pretty thick African accent in the second movie she was speaking like Halle Berry in the third movie it went back and forth and Elizabeth Olsen does the same thing in all the movies from here on out. That's interesting because I know I noticed the heavy accent that she does have in this film. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, OK. But then after that, it seems like she just has a normal accent. Like, I don't even, <laughs> I don't know if it's evolved or changed or goes back and forth. Yeah. I just always know that she had that normal, strong English accent. Well, I shouldn't say English accent, but spoke without an accent. Yeah. So to say. Yeah, so I wanted to pick your brain on this extremely disturbing scene. Ooh, riddle so me this. It's, this. it's the scene where Tony uh, has his little nightmare by Scarlet Witch. I'll tell you, it was probably one of the darkest scenes <laughs> in the entire MCU. Yeah. <laughs> it just mess. It, it literally messes up Tony just like how he was in Iron Man 3 with his PTSD. Uh-huh. I mean, so I thought that was a good Paul callback. What did you think? Yeah. Of well, what I loved about it is now that I've now that we've seen the entire Infinity Saga, every time you see a possible vision of the future, you're trying to see, did they link it right? And, you know, they show the dead bodies all over the place. And what I love was they have the broken shield cap. And this is a continuity thing, a detail that Marvel's great at. The shield is broken in nearly the exact same way that Thanos has split it in half in Endgame. And I think, I, I personally, I watched this and I think this image and message is so important to Tony's arc, especially when you hear, you could have saved us, you should have done more. And we yeah. know in the end what he's going to do. Yeah. I love the addition of Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch into these movies because it was kind of like teasing, we can kind of do mutants. Yeah, those two were a big, huge unknown for me um, because yeah. I wasn't as into the MCU yet. So I just thought they were just introducing new characters. Right. Uh, so. And honestly, you know, when this movie came out, so did, uh, I think it was days of future past. No. Yeah. Days of future past the X-Men property for Fox and both teams, both, both Fox and AMCU had the rights to the Quicksilver character. It was one of the only characters that they both had rights to. And they both put out a character of Quicksilver in those movies at the exact same time. I do remember that. Yeah. yeah. But the Evan Peters one in the Fox universe was just so damn cooler than this Quicksilver because this one, you know, he's out midway, uh, halfway through this movie. Yeah, the Evan Peters one, he was a lot more... Um... He had a lot more personality. Oh yeah, than the one than the one in this movie. That's what made him so much better. Uh, I love the fact that you have the Iron Legion in this, which is an interesting build upon from the Iron Man three when we saw his house party protocol. <laughs> That's immediately <laughs> what I thought of too. It's like okay, I think Tony matured a little bit since that movie. 
Yep. And uh, the Hulk lullaby involving Black Widow is a storyline I, I so wish they pursued through later movies. The only other time we see the Hulk lullaby after this is when Thor tries it in Ragnarok. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I, yeah, I kind of forgot. Oh, that's true. Yeah, I forgot about that. And my favorite line in the entire first part is Tony breaking into the castle and pressing a wall going, please be a secret door. Please be a secret door. And then it opens and goes, yay. <laughs> <laughs> With Strucker's arrest, Hydra has suffered a great blow, and the organization is left in a state of discord. Returning to Avengers Tower with the Scepter, Stark and Bruce Banner begin studying the weapon. Their research leads to the discovery of a net of neurons that, according to Stark, could be reconfigured into an artificial intelligence stored inside the Scepter's gem. The two scientists extract it for use in Stark's secret peacekeeping program, Ultron designed to allow the Iron Legion to operate independently and safeguard Earth under the direction of an advanced AI. After three days, the project is seemingly met with little success. However, while the Avengers throw a party to celebrate the recent victories, Ultron suddenly activates. Somehow, already self-aware, despite Stark's work, has not made it that far ahead. Ultron immediately determines that the only way to save Earth is to eradicate humanity, which he deems as the prime factor in the planet's turmoils. Okay, can we just get to the obvious part here? And that is the Ultron idea, although fantastic, is freaking Terminator. Yes, it is. Tony created Skynet. Yeah. (laughs) And what's worse is we know Terminator exists in this universe because in Endgame, when they talk about time travel, one of the first movies they bring up is Terminator. Oh my gosh, wow. We need to put that together. That's very true. Tony's mentality is to stop being Iron Man eventually by creating something better. This is smart. He's looking beyond the need for the suit to solve problems. Yeah, he's trying to take care of his future so he can have a nice retirement. Life. Yeah. That makes sense. Though I love the shot of the Jarvis hologram talking to the Scepter's AI. Yeah. It's so cool. That was fun. That was fun. But when you see the tendril shoot out at Jarvis and stick into him, I was like, oh, how did they not see this when they were making the program? Yeah, that was really crazy. (laughs) And how they like electronically or internet, you know, whatever kind of internet have him literally attack Jarvis and take him out. That was really cool. Yeah. uh, But I want to, you know what? I think that we need to just spend a little time on arguably the greatest scene in this whole movie, which is the party. Oh. Thank you. <laughs> the whole party is fantastic, Steve. Everything about yes. it. There isn't a dull moment in this party at all. I'll tell you, this party really, it brings, it, it humanizes all of these, and I put this in air quotes, superheroes. I mean, think yeah. about it. You got, you got Iron Man. Okay, the philanthropist, playboy, sorry to say that, right? But then you got people like Thor, who are gods from other you know, parts of the galaxy and they're just acting like anybody normal here on earth. So I just thought like that interaction, then you got this guy who's been frozen for 70 years, you know, that doesn't age the super guy, the super soldier. It was just really neat to see them at just like, Hey, you know, like an after work party. I thought that was really neat. It felt like a rap party almost Mm -hmm. like, and and, you know, Thor's not even in this cape or anything. He's wearing regular clothes and it's the little things it's Falcon playing pool. Mm -hmm. And this is like one of those scenes where, in a comic book, they'd always show you, like, the mansion. You go inside the mansion, and you'd see them doing everyday things. Up until this point, we've never seen these th- these people interact with each other whatsoever outside of the mission. And here they are just having a good old time. Don Cheadle is war machining in an Avengers movie, finally. And he's telling war machine stories that aren't working with the heroes, but they're working with the everyday people. Yeah, that was really funny. He didn't get, what, Thor didn't really understand how the team did it. But then he's just like, no, man, this is actually a really funny joke. So he goes out to other 
people in the party just to prove to himself. He's like, yeah, yeah, this is funny. I know what I'm talking about. It's a war you know, machine I'm just story. as good as anybody on this team. Yeah, you've got that. You've got Thor and um, what's his name? Uh, Tony Stark comparing why their girlfriends aren't there because they just couldn't get the actresses for the movie. But the one scene that I don't want to say it really bothered me, but I just wanted to smack Banner. Oh, I know where you're going. Like none other. Because you know what? Every single movie that Black Widow is in, she's always been in my top three. Because, come on. Yes, Scarlett she has, Johansson. actually. I've never noticed that. Yeah. She, she is throwing herself at Banner. Yeah. But Banner is too freaking intellectual to pick that up. It's like, he is an idiot. We're not picking up these blatant signals that Black Widow wants a little bit of that Hulk. He, she wants a little Hulk? <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, now. I'm going to call back to the Incredible Hulk. There's a point when him and Betty Ross are about to get it on, and he stops because he realizes that if he turns into Hulk, he's going to kill her just with his dick alone. Okay. And I think after that, that's why he keeps her at a distance, because he knows if he hulks out in the middle of lovemaking, she, she's dead. He's going he's gonna to break her in half. Okay, here's my thing about that now. Yes. That was Bruce Banner when he had just gotten well i don't know i think he was just new to the whole hulk thing because at the end of incredible hulk he's able to put on his eyes and even in avengers he goes well, i'm always angry so it seems like he's still got a look he's i think as the films go on he learns to control the hulk a little bit better so i don't know i guess in the incredible hulk i can probably believe that but now i feel like banner has a little bit more control that he can do those things now are really talking about hulk sex right now I can't believe we are, actually, but Jarvis attempts to stop Ultron, but the more powerful AI appears to destroy him and then take control of the Iron Legion armors. After the Avengers have finished their party, the team, joined by Maria Hill, James Rhodes, and geneticist Helen Cho, who's that, hold a small contest to see who can lift Mjolnir. Their contest is interrupted when Ultron suddenly directs to the Iron Legion to attack them, and an intense battle ensues. During that battle, Ultron has a chance to kill Cho, but mysteriously spares her life. While most of the Iron Legion is destroyed by the Avengers, one drone manages to escape with the Scepter and flees to the Sokovian Hydra base, where Ultron uses the Hydra technology stored there to begin construction of an army of robotic drones, as well as his own mobile unit. <laughs> Do it. Okay, so we need to talk about this whole um, the after party. Yeah, I mean the part the party the party alone was great as it is, but we all know that after, when there's one good party, the after party is always better. <laughs> and I th this is just classic. It actually reminded me back when um gosh yeah, oh the first Thor when the hat when Mjolnir finally comes down, you got all those drunk rednecks trying to lift this thing. This is exactly <laughs> the same thing. It is again. <laughs> It, humani it humanizes everything, and they're actually they've been like I don't know if all of them have been drinking, but it's like, hey, let's just do kind of a little gag game. Let's see who can lift Mjolnir. <laughs> you know, it's a drinking game. They literally turned it into a drinking challenge. Yeah. Um, I feel like they probably have done this in more times than not. Yes. Um, but tell me something. Okay. It was really interesting when I was watching this, and again, now we know what the you know whole MCU is now about. Yeah. But not looking at this, not looking at that, not knowing that. When it Cap's turn goes, it you know they put a lot of emphasis on when okay Cap, you know you're the poster boy, you're the strongest guy here, the super serum. Oh, there it goes. I there put it super is. Serum in the suit now. Um, does that hammer? Does Mjolnir? Does it move a little? Yes, it does. Because you know what? It sounded like it, and Thor's face was just kind of going from happy to like, 
what? Yeah. What's going on here? It's just like he, his face shifts it. He grabs it. It shifts a little. And it's just like, it's almost like Thor is thinking, wait a minute. Something <laughs> screwy here. He's like. <laughs> and there like, it is. This, yeah. <laughs> it's just like, there's more to Cap than meets the eye now. Well, and yeah. I totally missed that the first time. But the second time I was like, whoa, this means something. Well, there's also, you know, you've got Iron Man pulling off his, put, putting his glove on, going, listen, you know, if I become king, I'm going to reinstate Prima Nocta. <laughs> I was like, ooh, that's that's a dark joke for this movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then he's got Don Cheeto. He's got War Machine. They're both holding onto it, having their rot- rockets on their arms, trying to pull this thing up. It's not working. They're They're trying to figure out ways that this could work, like, oh, it must be a fingerprint thing. Uh... Hawkeye tries. I love the fact that Hulk tries and pretends to be like angry. Ah! <laughs> That's a stare. And no one's laughing. They're all like, dude, come on. But then they ask Black Widow and she has a response that back then meant one thing and now means something completely different. She goes, they go, how about you? Do you want to figure out if you're worthy? And she goes, oh, I don't need that question answered. And at the time we were like, oh, it's because she thinks it's a man thing. But now we know it's because she knows she truly has too much baggage in her past to even be able to lift that thing. <laughs> yeah, that'll be interesting to see when um, her her story is finally shown out when they um, release the film. The right. Black Widow movie. But so that'll there, be good. This is a cool movie because a lot of things that happen at the beginning echo later on. Like when he says language at the beginning, they make a joke about that throughout the entire movie. Yeah, they and keep that all with the whole, like, who can yield, wield the hammer? That's a joke that goes on throughout the movie, even to the very end when they're all departing and they're making jokes about, well, what if it's in an elevator? An elevator is not sentient, you know? <laughs> yes, that's right. Yeah. Maria Hill and Black Widow at this party. <laughs> Ladies, representing by not being damsels in distress. They are bad asses in pumps when Ultron shows up. Maria Hill upped her game in this. Yeah, she did. Yeah, and, and they're gorgeous. Was- like, Maria Hill's never looked better. Oh, she's always great. Yeah. What did you think of, um, so when Ultron finally shows up? Yep. What What was your opinion of Ultron when you first saw he him? He was freaking creepy. <laughs> <laughs> that was the creepiest he's ever looked in this movie. Yeah, uh, it was like something straight out of a horror film. Yeah. And, I'm, you know, I'm watching this, and, you know, during the battle, you know, nobody's wearing their costumes. No one's wearing any army or military wear. I'm thinking, you know, some of them should probably be a little more banged up than what I'm looking at right now. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's true. Yeah, I mean, the only one that can really withstand everything is probably Hulk, Thor, and Cap. But everybody else yes. are just regular people. Yeah, I guess they're just in the right place at the right time. Yeah, because they don't really have any, per se, superpowers. No. You know, or any kind of super anything. So, yeah, they should have got a little bit more banged up. Yeah. Although in the next scene, they do kind of make up with it with Maria Hill. Because <laughs> so, she's, she's seen extracting glass from her feet while they're meeting afterwards. And I was like, oh, God, Ugh. that's straight out of Die Hard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she is one tough woman. Because <laughs> I'd been crying like a b- After the battle, the team confronts Stark about his secrecy while Ultron recruits the Maximoff twins, who have a vendetta against Stark because of a Stark Industries bomb killed their parents. Wanda had willingly allowed Stark to make off with the scepter with hopes that his fear of letting the world die would lead him to him constructing his own undoing, which in this case appears to be Ultron. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I think Tony Stark is pretty irritating here when he's called out. Yeah, he's they, he's got like, um, he's very full of himself. But again, you know, that's the, that's the Tony Stark mantra that he has. So 
But um, it, it almost felt like he, I mean, he's laughing about it, and I want to say it was a defense mechanism, but he's he's acting as though he's the only one who, you know, first of all, where is Bruce? This is Bruce's idea, too. How come nobody's pointing at him? That's very true, but I think if it's still his idea, Tony's the one that probably, they probably almost think that, okay, they Tony convinced, which he kind of did, convinced um, Banner to kind of go along with it. He just needed Banner's extra brain mind because Tony couldn't do it by himself. I still think it was all Tony's idea, and that's probably why they put all the blame on him. Um, well, I th- Here's the thing. I think they both had the idea of it, but I think Banner wasn't ready for it to go yet because they were working yeah. on it for three days. At some point, Bruce would have said, uh, I'm starting to see a problem here. Yeah, very true. Go ahead. I wanted to talk about I mean, we kind of heard it already when the creepy Ultron showed up. <laughs> but this, what that was the first time we heard his voice. Yes. And in that whole scene, the creepy Ultron, we're just going to call it the creepy Ultron. Yeah. Um, he was great. I loved it. But then when he goes and recruits the twins, <laughs> Ultron has just like this quick wit about him. And I guess that's Tony's personality in the AI. But as a computer, it just seemed really weird. No, you're right. I, I mean, you're good. It just—it's like it didn't fit what like a robot or an AI should be like. Now I know Jarvis kind of has that, but still at the same time, Jarvis is still an AI, and that reflects back to Iron Man three. Yes. And the one of the things I thought about is in uh, when Tony says, "Okay, I need a, I, I need a route to, uh, what, what's that place uh, in Tennessee." Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, you know, there's some quick whips about it. But then when he finally ships him to Tennessee, um, Jarvis just goes, you asked me earlier for a trip to Tennessee. Right. right. I gave you one. So he he felt still like a computer. I never got that with Ultron at all. See, and I kind of think ahead here to Infinity War when they're talking about getting the gem out of Vision's head, saying that he could survive without it because he is Bruce, he is Tony, he is Jarvis, he is he's is something else. He is uh, uh, Ultron all in one. And when you have all that personality in there, it makes sense because Vision was supposed to be just Ultron. But when you think about Ultron being the baby of Bruce and Tony, you're going to have two personalities in there also. So you could come up with some type of AI that happens to understand idioms and turns of phrase, I suppose. However, I'm going to say this about this because I completely agree with you. I like James Spader's wit. I just don't think I like it in Ultron. I understand why it's sarcastic, but if I want to deep dive and explain why it is personable, I mean, I can link the scepter to Arnim Zola, who was able to place his mind and character into a computer. I mean, perhaps the scepter has taken Tony's, Bruce's, and Jarvis's personality, put it in Ultron, but it just doesn't seem like... If I want something that's cold, calculating, and... This the plan is eradicate humanity. I don't want you to humanize that character. Yeah. And I think that's the big problem with Ultron is he's too human. Yeah, he has a lot of other than Tony, probably has the most sarcasm in the entire movie. <laughs> yeah. In fact, beats Tony <laughs> really sometimes at his sarcasm. After Ultron kills Strucker to lure the Avengers out, he and the twins travel to South Africa to acquire vibranium from arms dealer Caesar. I mean Gollum. I mean Ulysses Claw. The Avengers try to stop them, but Wanda hypnotizes Thor, Black Widow, and Captain America, giving them vivid hallucinations that render them invalid. She then hypnotizes Banner, 
turning him into the Hulk that we've been waiting to see since the Incredible Hulk and sending him to attack Johannesburg. Iron Man decides to call in Veronica, which deploys the Iron Man armor Mark 44 that Stark needs to defeat the Hulk. But the destruction they cause starts a public backlash against the Avengers who are forced to go into hiding. Wakanda! The first indication that Black Panther would be in the series eventually. Yes! How I'm going to tell you right now, Joe, and you're probably not going to be happy with me. The first time I saw this, never put that together. <laughs> never put that together. But then again, in my defense, I knew nothing of Black Panther. Yes. I knew nothing. So that's probably why. So I was like, where are we going after? Who the heck is this guy? I, don't, I, don't, I never knew anything about Black Panther. Okay. So I didn't really, I didn't really appreciate this until I saw Black Panther. And everything just clicked. Right. Andy Serkis's character's like, oh my God, he was in. Oh. Yeah. That's it. Oh, oh, so many light bulbs are going off. Oh it's the gosh. only place where vibranium can be found. Yes. So it's almost like you go back to Cap America, First Avenger, when he gets a shield. It's made of vibranium. That's when you go, wait, are they going to bring in Wakanda? And this was like, yes, we are. Yeah, that was really cool. Uh, we get Andy Circus. Welcome to the MCU. Please watch out for the cuttlefish. <laughs> <laughs> um, I liked the Quicksilver scenes with Quicksilver actually in action, especially when he's with Andy Circus, and oh, he just yeah. kind of quickly disarms and does everything. And Andy Circus just kind of, or his character just goes, "Oh, he just kind of throws his hands up at the air and says, I got nothing." Steve, you've got to love how Ultron talks to Cap's righteousness here, since you're an Amara hater. Yeah. <laughs> uh, not just Quicksilver, but I love how his sister is being used. Elizabeth Olsen does a great job of coming out of the shadows to hypnotize people. It is creepy how she does it. She is a witch. Yes. But you know what? She doesn't get Hawkeye, and thank God, never again. <laughs> I guess that was his good saving grace. He's already got it done once, not again. That's good. And that was the big beef coming out of Avengers was you had Hawkeye, but he wasn't really Hawkeye for most of the movie. So now we get to see him as himself. And I remember when me and JC saw this, we were like, at the end, we go, Hawkeye stole this movie. Okay, so we got Black Widow. And I've got a feeling we'll be seeing more of her little future, her little fear thing in the Black Widow movie. Because she fears having no place in the world whatsoever. So I think we're going to see more of that in the Black Widow movie. Uh, Thor's vision is a Ragnarok preview. He's right. even channeling lightning like he learns to later on because he fears losing Asgard. And you got Captain America. The war is over. Peggy wants her dance. And his big fear is having no place after the war is over. Steve, is there anything else in this you want to bring up? <laughs> One of my favorite scenes uh -huh. in probably the, if it's, it's got to be top three. <laughs> um, the Hulkbuster. I think that's what this uh, with uh, the Mach forty or the Mark forty four is called. Yes, they call it the Hulkbuster. It's yep. probably one of my favorite scenes because of the man. I know I've said <laughs> I've liked Cap before, but I'm telling you, I am getting all Team Iron Man. I love Tony Stark in this whole thing because it is Iron Man one Tony Stark. Uh huh. He is so great with his quick whips, and especially when he just he does something to Hulk, and he just goes, oh. Sorry, you know, <laughs> go to sleep, go to sleep, go to chaos, sleep, go to sleep. <laughs> yeah. Chaos ensues. You know, I just thought it was I just love the whole scene altogether. See, and I'm going to challenge you. I think you like it because we finally see Hulk unbridled, angry, rage as we fought. We used to see in the Incredible Hulk when he was that angry. I did like that. I think the, I did. But I think the more majority of that scene I just liked it was because it felt like the old Tony Stark. 
Okay. And I just, that, that, that was my big thing for him. And it kind of gave him something to do. And you saw another evolution of the suit. Yes. I mean, yeah. This thing is massive and it was so cool. It's, I mean, he thought about making this huge entire suit to take on a Hulk like figure. Yeah. Which again, we see later on in, you know, the other adventure movies. Yeah. Veronica, I need a hand. Here comes an arm yeah. shooting out of it. Uh, but there's also the scene where he spits out, Hulk spits out his tooth and you're like, uh, we're only in round one. Yes, exactly. <laughs> You've done all this damage, gone through buildings, and told, he just spits out a tooth. I'm like, oh. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah. uh, the team takes refuge at Clinton Barton's homestead, where they meet his wife, Laura, and children, Cooper and Lila. Having experienced apocalyptic visions of, in his hallucination, Thor leaves, traveling to the mystical Water of Sights to determine the meaning of his hallucination. Romanoff and Banner plan to run away and start a new life together when Ultron is defeated. Nick Fury arrives at the homestead and encourages the Avengers to form a plan to stop Ultron. Banner deduces that Ultron is planning to create another body made of synthetic tissue using the cradle device developed by Dr. Helen Cho. I've written a lot here, so I'm going to go over these point by point. You just step in whenever you feel like it, Steve. All right, you do it. I love that Hawkeye's family was such a surprise, except to Romanoff, because it shows how close Natasha and Hawkeye really are. Yeah, it was... um. Again, it, it humanizes him. Granted, he was probably, I think, out of, out of all of the characters, I shouldn't say characters, out of all the superheroes or the, whoever the Avengers, mm -hmm. he is the most human. Yes. He's got it all. He's got a family. I like how it explains that, you know, with all the chaos going on, you know, he made a deal with S.H.I.E.L.D. to make sure his family was safe. That was really cool to kind of finally see that other side of him, that he's just a regular old farm boy. I almost feel like that family has also kind of adopted Natasha Romanoff in as in like almost like an adoptive aunt. Yeah. Like, we'll give you a family because we know you don't have one. Th yeah. This movie, as you were saying, you know how important Hawkeye is. It, he is the glue. I mean, before he was a throwaway member, it's a smart move to beef up his importance here because he is number six on the team. Yeah. And I think his wife and that little, a little conversation that they have about him even debating on whether to even stay with the group says, always know, is it worth it or something like that? So mm -hmm. she is, um, you say Hawkeye is the glue. Uh, it's, it, it's Hawkeye and his wife. Maybe even his wife is really the glue okay. because without Hawkeye, I don't think the surprise, you know, without Hawkeye, the band isn't what it is. Yeah. Um, so she kind of makes sure that he's level headed and makes sure it's just something you know, we really want to do. You got to think about your family, too. You know, but yeah. he's a he's a soldier. He is no, you're a soldier. Right. Yeah. And there are seeds to this along the way. At the very beginning, he's on the phone talking separately to somebody and, and Cap goes, you OK? And he goes, oh, yeah, I just had to take care of something at home. And that's about it. And then later on, when he's after I think it's in after the Sokovia thing, when he gets uh, shot. He's on his bed and they're like, you know, you know, your girlfriend's going to notice. And he goes, I don't have a girlfriend. And you're like, oh, OK, well, he doesn't have one. He's got a wife. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Banner and Romanoff. OK, now this is as I was watching it, I was typing this. So you'll see what I was thinking. I put Banner and Romanoff a very personal conversation. Bruce, just let her in, man. That being said, smart move. You'd kill her. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. <laughs> uh, Tony and Steve talking. Is the beginning seed of Civil War. Yeah, this was a really cool scene, especially, you know, because they're all just chopping wood, you know? Yep. And then you see Tony's pile, and you see Cap's in, uh, pile. But one of the fun... I saw a meme online about... Yeah, I hate to even say the word meme. It just makes me feel old. Anyways, <laughs> it was funny because it was the part where 
Cap gets really angry yep. and he rips he rips the wood in half. <laughs> and then there's this other part where you just see like Groot just with this worried look on his face. <laughs> it's like, whoa. Yeah. So I that I thought of that I thought of that meme online when that whole scene was going on. I, said, I just thought that was great. Well, and without knowing go, what goes on in Civil War, yeah. you can kind of see like, okay, you got like your captain, no pun intended, and like your other possible captain. And they're jockeying to see who's got the bigger stick. Yeah. Who's, got, who's the better guy? So now you're just seeing the top two guys kind of want, try to one-up each other. <laughs> Don't take any from my pile. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but also, that scene was actually used as the promo at San Diego Comic Con for Civil War. That's, that's Age of perfect. Ultron hadn't come out yet. It was on its way on its, uh, coming out, and they were about to announce that one of the movies coming up would be Captain America: Civil War, and they used this lo- this log cutting scene as the promo for it. Yeah. Um, okay, so Nick Fury's back. Hey, welcome back. I guess you know <coughs> you're you're back again. Uh, we see. A relationship now between Fury and Stark because they really haven't had much of one. He just kind of comes out of nowhere, out of the shadows, a creepy Nick Fury. Yeah, but we also see that vulnerability that we saw in Iron Man three of Stark, something that we rarely see when he's in clo- when he's behind closed doors. He'll show you. Thor's journey really feels unnecessary in this movie, Steve. All it does is show the four Infinity Stones, but not the Time Stone or the Soul Stone. And we already got this info from Thor: The Dark World. So what was the point? I think it was just Thor trying to figure out and battle his own demons yeah yeah it just seemed kind of like a little tangent that you probably could have edited and taken that part out yeah and my final piece here was the team is having trouble trusting themselves not each other but themselves trust and taking responsibility is the big theme of phase two yes sir yes sir okay here we go Meanwhile, Ultron, Pietro, and Wanda go to Dr. Cho's laboratory in Seoul, South Korea. The Avengers are doing a world tour, apparently, where Ultron reveals his plan to use the vibranium samples in conjunction with Cho's synthetic tissue generating cradle device to create a more powerful body for himself with the Scepter's gem as its primary power source. To ensure her cooperation, Ultron takes control of Cho's mind with the scepter. As Ultron transfers his consciousness into the synthetic body and Cho implants the gem into its forehead, Wanda curiously looks into Ultron's mind and discovers his plan to destroy humanity. Horrified, the twins turn against Ultron, who leaves the laboratory with the cradle. Okay, I have no idea what Wanda's powers are anymore. No, it's she's got telekinesis, she's got can look into the future. Yeah. She's just a witch. She really does. She just, can just manipulate anything that she has. So yeah, I think and that's a perfect name for it. I would, I would argue that she is possibly the most powerful being in the entire movie. I totally agree. Yeah, yeah. In fact, I've even heard the Russo brothers say if anybody could destroy Thanos, it would have been Scarlet Witch. Makes sense though, because you don't know what the hell her power is. I think it could be anything. They're probably like four or five that we don't even know about yet. They're going to show up. Well, heck yeah. I mean, because her powers, you know, not to you know, preview. Spoiler alert! What comes down and what uh, Avengers three Infinity War whatever yep. she destroys it she destroys an Infinity Stone. Yeah, you're right. Absolutely. I mean, you, you you don't see that at all in any of these films. No, she takes it out. That's that's huge. Yeah, she to this set of movies is like the Jean Grey. Yes, yes. No, where good, good everybody's everybody's just kind of like you know she's with the team, but. There's maybe a one or two people that really know her true power, and she doesn't even know how powerful she is. Right, right. 
Um, arriving in Seoul, Captain America, Black Widow, and Hawkeye battle Ultron, who kidnaps Black Widow and derails a train to slow the Avengers down. The twins aid Captain America in rescuing passengers from the train, while Hawkeye retrieves the cradle and takes it back to Avengers Tower. Now, this is a pretty cool chase scene in Seoul. Let's level another city, though. <laughs> really? You know, and these guys are already on bad terms with what, what happened with Iron Man and Hulk. So yeah. they're just not doing themselves any favors right now. <laughs> They've done two. I wonder if there'll be a third in this movie. <laughs> really? Uh, watching Cap versus Ultra on the truck is like watching the mobile fighting game. <laughs> mm-hmm. I expected little bars yeah. on top of them. And yeah, that's true. I know you love Scarlet or Black Widow. I love Black Widow, but I'm taking a stand right now. I hate the blue light trim all over her uniform in this movie. Just go back straight to black. Just go back to that. Yeah, I guess so. I guess I. I can't really think of that off the top of my head, but I already don't like it. Yeah, well, there were times when they were fighting in the dark, and all you see is the blue light, because it looks like it's glowing off of her uniform. I was like, why? That's weird. If you're a spy, you want to hide. Quicksilver and the witch saving the the train. It's pretty cool, but it wasn't Spider-Man 2 cool. But it was cool. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's true. It was, yeah. I was watching this, and I was like, wait a second. And to take some words from you, Something screwy here. <laughs> <laughs> Very nicely put. I think that whole scene was just to kind of really show the audience what Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch can do um, for good. Yeah. You know, you've always seen them manipulating people's minds. And I mean, I know Quicksilver is really one dimensional. So you can move fast, but you really got to see them in you know, a hero type of Yes. Uh, at Stark Tower, Stark and Banner upload Jarvis, which survived Ultron's earlier attack by escaping into the internet, into the synthetic body as an attempt to rectify their mistake with Ultron. Believing Stark is about to potentially create another Ultron, Captain America and the twins try to stop them. But Thor arrives and brings the body to life using 1.21 gigawatts. The resulting the, being... <laughs> the resulting being thankfully proves to be friendly. Ah. Thor explains that the Scepter's gem is the Mind Stone, one of the six Infinity Stones, the most powerful objects in the un- existence, which Thor saw in his hallucination, and its power could be advantageous against Ultron. The twins and the synthetic being, who is later given the name Vision, ally themselves with the Avengers, who return to Sokovia to end Ultron's threat once and for all and level a third city. Bruce and Tony, science bros! <laughs> yeah, bunch of nerd crew over there yeah, yeah that's true thor goes dr frankenstein on us and lightning bolts the shit out of vision to wake him up what the heck what the heck is a gigawatt <laughs> what's a gigawatt <laughs> <laughs> well scarlet witch you were the coolest person in the sc- on the screen say hello to vision yeah really i'll tell you when they uh when you kind of found out when vision was first born okay yep and he's kind of been in his like influx of like who i am there for like a couple minutes i'll tell you they played that scene when I say them, the Avengers. They played that really smart because I'm like, this is a valuable free agent here. We want him on our team. If, especially, you know, if this is the most powerful um, Infinity Stone that there is, it's like, uh, we got to play nice here. We need this guy. Yeah. So, well, that's why they're like, are you good or bad? And he's like, um, neither. Yeah. That's even scarier. But it is nice to see that after all those years of voicing Jarvis, Paul Bettany finally gets a body. <laughs> yeah, he, he finally gets his two. That's yeah. really great. Uh, okay, <clears throat> so we get it now. The Thor detour was so he could identify the Mind Stone in the Scepter. Okay, I guess that's the link, is they had to realize the Scepter was the Mind Stone. 
which would make sense why Loki wanted it probably so much. Right. Uh, and finally, I love that Vision can handle Mjolnir. <laughs> that was a shock. And everybody's jaw just went, oh, my gosh. He just picks up. But then again, he's... He has no soul. He has no soul. Yeah, he's a robot. Yeah. Right? Okay, so that makes that all makes sense. But I think when they see him, they see him as more. They still see him as a man, even though he's a robot. Well, right. And I love the look on Thor's face when Vision hands him the hammer. Like, all right, let's let's go. (laughs) 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 Yeah, when he hands it to him, and you look at all the Avengers' faces, like, wait, he can hold it. Yeah. Now they really start to question. That's yeah. Uh, arriving in Sokovia, the Avengers find that Ultron has used the remaining vibranium samples and Chitari anti-gravity technologies being studied in the Hydra facility to build a machine that lifts a large part of Novi Grad, the Sokovian capital, into the sky. His intent is to crash it into the ground to replicate a meteor strike, causing a mass extinction event. While Banner rescues Romanoff, the Avengers evacuate civilians from the city and fight Ultron's army of robots, but they are unable to evacuate everyone before the city begins to ascend. Fury and the revived S.H.I.E.L.D., joined by War Machine, arrive in a helicarrier to assist in evacuating the last few civilians. Black Widow and Banner, now transformed into the Hulk, enter the fray and the team converges on the location of Ultron's device. There, they wipe out most of Ultron's drones and severely damage Ultron's primary body. In retaliation, Ultron hijacks the Avengers Quinjet and kills Pietro. The Hulk leaps into the jet and tosses Ultron to the ground where a grieving Wanda finds and destroys him. You have anything to add to this? <laughs> so this whole fighting scene, the, the final scene, yes. okay, when all of the Avengers are trying to protect uh, this detonator type thing, it was, I thought it was, again, really, really cool. Just like in the beginning of the movie where they had that slow motion montage of them all working together. Uh-huh. First off, CGI wise, the scene was a lot better than that one. Yes, it was. Um, but I just like how they were all in the same shot, all doing their same thing. It was like a, it was like a wide camera angle shot, and I just thought that was so cool to see on screen, all of the Avengers and then some fighting for good. Yeah, I so, actually and my, just battling off all these robots. My favorite shot in that scene is when you see Vision fly through somebody and rip them apart. That's the thing. <laughs> it goes back to what you said like a couple minutes ago. It says, are you good or bad? Either. Yeah. Because that's vicious. That is vicious. <laughs> Vision is vicious. Vision Ooh. is vicious. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. I did, I did have one little issue in this whole scene. Yes. Black Widow. Okay. Love her to death. Yes. But Ultron absolutely unloads like a 40 cal <laughs> on the Hulk and her at the same time. Now, I know Hulk can withstand that. We saw that in The Incredible Hulk and all the things that he was able to withstand, like gunpowder or firepower and whatnot. But Black Widow, she should have been in pieces or had massive holes next to her. Or is Ultron really that bad? I mean, I, I don't know what kind of gun it was, you know, that he was shooting out of, but yeah. it seemed like a, almost like a mortar or a 40 cal. So that was like a little, it's like uh, Black Widow, adios, unfortunately, but it, she managed to escape with no problems. Well, she has no problems in the end of this movie anyway, because there's a scene where she holds onto Hulk as he ferociously climbs a wall and she's flying all over the place. I'm sorry, her ass would have been on the ground. Yes. You ain't holding on to hold him. The, no, she, your Hulk is ripping your arm off. Yeah, but it was like she was attached to him like Yoda was on Luke Skywalker. 
they better explain something really riveting about black maybe could she be like a russian super soldier that had like a like, don't say it i don't want don't I say don't it go down there nope no i'm not going down there <laughs> i was gonna say steve don't you use the s word okay uh, no i won't go ahead okay <laughs> He was going to say serum, everybody. He was going to say serum. Ah. It was coming there. Okay, now we can move on. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) One of Ultron's drones deactivates the device, causing Novigrad to begin plummeting towards the Earth and forcing the other Avengers to flee aboard the helicarrier alongside the evacuated citizens. Meanwhile, Iron Man fires his Unibeam and Thor summons a lightning strike to reflect off the vibranium core. The ensuing explosion shatters the city into rubble, which falls safely into a nearby lake. The Hulk, seeking peace after the battle, gets Roman off to safety and departs in the Quinjet. Ultron's consciousness attempts to flee in the last remaining drone, but the Vision confronts him. The two have a brief exchange of ideals before the Vision obliterates the drone, effectively ending Ultron's threat. The Avengers establish a new Avengers facility in upstate New York run by Fury, Cho, Maria Hill, and Eric Selvig. Romanoff assumes Banner is dead because the Quinjet cannot be tracked and silently mourns for him, but Fury assures her that he is likely still alive. Believing the Mind Stone is safe with Vision, Thor returns to Asgard to learn more about the Infinity Stones, while Barton and Stark also leave the steam. Captain America and Black Widow assemble a new Avengers team, consisting of Scarlet Witch, who is looking mighty fine now, Falcon, War Machine, and Vision. Uh, Steve, I love the conversation between Cap, Iron Man, and Thor about the hammer at the end. it's just so if it's in an elevator and the elevator goes up is the elevator worthy it just (laughs) it just sucks that as good as they're playing off each other this is the last time we'll see them as friends it's true uh elizabeth olsen's top at the end thank you joss whedon yes (laughs) that was really good yeah here's the post credit steve thanos retrieves an infinity gauntlet saying fine I'll do it myself. And then begins his crusade for the Infinity Stones. You can see me right now. I'm like I know. Jumping up and down. <laughs> Freaking joy. Okay. Those previous goosebumps from the last scene, they're back now. Yeah. And then those goosebumps now have more goosebumps. <laughs> you right. You do it yourself. You know, that's the whole mentality. You want something done right. You do it yourself. My favorite post credit scene by far. I don't know how many times I've watched this. Yeah. And I'm just like, it's like a kid in a candy. It's like my hands is just, oh, I, I want to indulge every single part of this because it's Thanos. And now you're seeing the gauntlet and how he just grabs at it. And it's just whole demeanor. It's just, I don't know. It's amazing. Okay. What do you so, think? well, here's the thing. <laughs> Where is he grabbing the gauntlet from? See, okay, good question because we all thought we know that now. Odin had it. Well, no, or do we not know. We don't know that yet. We know that Odin had a fake. That's true. Okay, I think he's grabbing this. He has the gauntlet already in his possession. Okay, and uh, from all the films that we know that go on later on how the gauntlet is made, I think it's just like okay, I got the gauntlet, you know. Well, he needs the gauntlet to control everything. And I think he just eventually just says, you know what? I've had these people try to get this stuff for me. It just ain't working. Let's just snap on and do it. Just, I'll do it myself. I'll and, go out and get it myself. And this is something that I had a problem with 
originally because we know now where he gets the gauntlet from. It's from the dwarf Yetre on uh, Neville Mirror or whatever the heck that little planet there is. Yeah. Uh, but then as I watched this, I was like, well, hold on. They've made this scene very, very vague and ambiguous as to where it's taking place because it's just Thanos and a bright white light behind him. They could say that's anywhere. So he could be retrieving it from the dwarf Yetre right there. Yeah. Um, it could be. Oh, yeah. He could have already had it in his possession. He's just getting everything in line and, yeah. you know, making sure before he leaves the house that, you know, dogs fed through all this. It's like, okay, last thing you got to grab. <laughs> I guess I'll do it myself. You know, I, I don't. Yeah, it could be. It could be from there. But mom's in the I back think, saying, don't forget to pack your gloves. Exactly. <laughs> there you go. Well, according. Oh, you know, what we should do at some point when we're done with this entire thing. We should do our top 10 post credit scenes. We should. Yeah. And no, He-Man will not be a part of them. Okay. According <laughs> according to the top critics at Rotten Tomatoes, it has a tomato meter reading of 74%. That's 42 fresh reviews and 15 rotten. And the critics on average gave this film a 6.4 out of 10. The critics' consensus reads, exuberant and eye-popping, Avengers Age of Ultron serves as an overstuffed but mostly satisfying sequel, reuniting its predecessor's unwieldy cast with a few new additions and a worthy foe. Now, the audience score is a 4.0 out of 5, with 83% agreeing it's a 3 or higher. So the movie's over. Were you entertained, Steve? Uh, yeah, I, it was It was good for me. I really I, I enjoyed it. It was good. What about you? Uh, definitely. Uh, at times. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's figure out whether the awards got it right and whether this movie is worth your time or not. All right. No Academy Awards. <laughs> no Golden Globe Awards. <laughs> So let's go to the Saturn Awards. Uh, Best comic to film motion picture. Ant-Man wins. Do you think Age of Ultron should have beaten Ant-Man? Well, this will be easier to think about when we watch Ant-Man, which happens to be the next one. Then we will wait Um, on this category. I agree. Yes. Uh, Best costume design. It did win for that. Uh, it beat Star Wars Episode Seven: The Force Awakens. It beat Cinderella and The Kingsman: The Secret Service. Uh, the other ones, it really doesn't matter. I think it deserved that one. I mean, every costume in this was great because they didn't just take it right out of the comics. They made it to something that would film well. Uh, yeah, they did do that. I don't know. I think maybe the Episode Seven should have won. Okay. It's, it's Star Wars, you know, they got unique, you know, costumes as it is with all their aliens and whatnot. Okay. Uh, best special effects. Star Wars Episode 7, The Force Awakens wins. It was up against Age of Ultron, Ex Machina, Jurassic World, Mad Max Fury Road, and The Martian. So, do you think Star Wars should have won over Age? Uh, yeah. For Kylo Ren stops a blaster bolt. Enough said. <laughs> at some point, I want to do Ex Machina, just so I can say, Ex Machina's better at special effects. <laughs> You know what? Sign me up because I would love to watch that movie again because it was so good. Yeah. Okay. Best supporting actor, Adam Driver. Kylo Ren wins over Michael Douglas for Ant-Man, Michael Shannon for 99 Homes, Paul Bettany, Vision for Avengers Age of Ultron. Should Vision have won best supporting actor over Adam Driver? Nope. I think Adam Driver is a perfect selection for this. I completely agree. And now we go to the MTV Movie Awards where it had eight nominations, but zero wins. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, gosh. It was nominated for Best Fight. Uh, Iron Man versus Hulk was the fight that was put up for this, and it lost to Deadpool versus Francis in Deadpool. 
I'd have to go back and watch that one again, but I don't know. I still like, again, I mentioned it earlier, the Iron Man versus Hulk was still my favorite one. Yeah, I think Iron Man versus Hulk should have won. Uh, best hero went to Jennifer Lawrence over Chris Evans for Avengers Age of Ultron. Should should Katniss Everdeen have won over Captain America? Well, I've only seen uh, the first Hunger Games. I haven't seen anything else after that, so okay. I don't know how her character evolves. Well, I'm just going to say straight up no. Especially when you consider who else was in this. You also had Daisy Ridley for Star Wars: The Force Awakens. Mm-hmm. You was had- she really was she really a hero at that time? Maybe. Maybe, yeah, I think she's still trying to figure it out. Okay, okay, best villain, Adam Driver, Kylo Ren wins for Star Wars The Force Awakens over James Spader for Avengers Age of Ultron. I 110% agree. Okay, yeah, I. here's the thing. If he wasn't a freaking robot, I would have disagreed. But he was a robot. He was miscast. Yeah. So I'm saying Adam Driver. <laughs> yes, he was. Uh, best virtual performance goes to Amy Poehler, who played H- Happy in Inside Out, or Joy, I mean. It, yeah. It won over James Spader as Avengers Age of Ultron. This is virtual performance. I'm going to say James Spader should have won this one. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I know in Inside Out, that was, that was just such a unique performance because you really got to see, you know, the different emotions and how they were played. I don't know. I guess, uh, yeah, it could go either way with me. Okay. Uh, Best Ensemble cast, Avengers Age of Ultron loses to Pitch Perfect 2. (laughs) You know what? (laughs) That's the dumbest thing I've read all day. Yes, it is. (laughs) Movie of the year. Movie of the year. (laughs) Star Wars The Force Awakens wins over Avengers Age of Ultron. I have to agree. Yeah, I agree too. Because yeah. it's Star Wars, I think the name takes it. But you know what? There's another film that here that got nominated. I'm surprised that I would actually put maybe over Age of Ultron. That would be Deadpool. I would too. Uh, and we've gone over Deadpool. That's why it was an A. We gave it Deadpool yeah. full A on that one. Uh, all right. On to our next segment titled Top 3, Bottom 3. This is where we talk about the three things we want to highlight in this movie. And then we go over the three things that are bad, unforgivable, or downright travesties. Let's start with the top three. Steve? Go for it. So my number three, there's a crap load of action in this <laughs> film. I mean, the movie is just covered with it. Yeah. I mean, there is actually, I mean, there's very, very low action scenes. Heck, whenever they're having their party scene and everything's so nice and happy <laughs> and chill, not too long, immediately there's another action scene with the with the creepy Ultron. Yep. So it's just littered with it, which I thought was kind of nice. The Avenger action shots, they were so cool. The ones at the beginning, I know you weren't too keen on the slow motion one and yeah. the CGI, but um, I thought all the slow motion shots were absolutely awesome. Okay. More specifically, the ones with Quicksilver were great because then you really got to see his superpower when you had to slow him down and how everything else just doesn't move. Yeah. But He's moving at a, at a normal speed. And my number one, the goosebumps are back because <laughs> Thanos is back with his gauntlet. Yes. My number one, Thanos gauntlet. So, <laughs> those are my top three. All right. Uh, Joe, what are yours? All right. Well, my number three is that this movie redeems Hawkeye in the eyes of the fans who felt like he drew the short straw in the original Avengers movie. Uh, and my favorite line of Hawkeye's is really... At the very end, when Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch go flying off, he shoots his air, he he pulls his bow out and goes, "No one would ever know." 
No <laughs> one would ever know. <laughs> like I'm like, oh, God, I love this guy. Uh, my number two is the time at Hawkeye's Ranch. I love this scene. It slows everything down to a crawl, but it is so... I think this is movie needed so many spots where we saw the Avengers not being Avengers for a second. Mm-hmm. Just being people. And this movie, of all of the movies, has the most time when they're not having to do their business. And I like watching them in those scenes. And my number one is integrating Scarlet Witch, Quicksilver, and Vision into a fairy stuff story. It just does, they do very well with it. Most of the time when you add like a bunch of characters, it feels like, well, you really didn't need this person. And when we go over Civil War, I'll mention how Spider-Man really isn't needed in that movie. But uh, these, it was almost like they added to the team and they did so almost effortlessly. You almost felt like they'd been there all along. Yeah. No, they, they, they blended well with everybody. And I think it's cool the fact that they were villains, yeah. so to speak, and then turned into the heroes. And yeah, they fit in perfectly, especially the ending when they're creating the newer Avengers. Yeah. All right. Let's move to the bottom three. Time to vent, Steve. Let them have it. Okay. Number three, Ultron's personality was not even AI. <laughs> it was a normal human yep. person with sarcasm all left and right. It just was not. It didn't give off that AI feel. Um. <laughs> Sokovia, that whole town <laughs> floating in the air. I mean, I almost mentioned this before. You know, you mentioned Terminator. Yes. Okay. And how Skynet was going to destroy the world. That seems more believable from a computer standpoint <laughs> than taking a chunk of a city, floating it into the air, and just dropping it down. I wish they kind of would have done something like that, but maybe they just didn't want, oh, Terminator did it, so we're going to do, you know, something different. Well, I think they could have been, they couldn't have been the only thing on the drawing board. Well, the other thing, and to build off of that, Steve, I mean, can you imagine how much time it would take for them to build all those rockets underneath the city? Like, the city would have collapsed by caverns alone. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) That's even, and... My number one. Yep. Tell me, this movie, it felt so long. This movie it was just is I mean, I don't know haul. what the timestamp was for this film. I'm looking it up right now. It was two hours and twenty one minutes. Okay. So here's my thing with films that feel long. Yeah. There's a film that we're gonna eventually review. Uh-huh. It's called Endgame. I hear it's good. Okay. Hey, it's here, it's very good. It's the longest in the MCU. By far. If I'm not mistaken. Three hours and two How, minutes. Three hours. Over three. Not one point in that film. Maybe. Did I feel like it was, okay, this is just dragging. Yeah. Okay, this film is just long. And that one's even longer. So when you have a shorter film that feels long, I have a problem with that. I feel you. I feel like they could have, like, I don't, but I don't know exactly what parts you could have cut out to really shrink it down. They just jam-packed a whole lot. So when there's a, a film that isn't long, per se, like a three-hour film, mm-hmm. but it feels long, that's an issue for me. So I Here's, um, here's the thing. I think, and you're going to hate me for this, I think if you cut out the Hulk fight with Iron Man, you wouldn't feel so much like that, only because this movie doesn't go like zero miles per hour, 10 miles per hour, 20 miles per hour, 30 miles. It goes from zero to 60, then 60 to zero, zero to 60, 60 to zero. So you're always feeling like, oh, crap, that's over with. Now I got to sit here. Oh, God, that's over with. Now I got to sit there. And if you take the Iron Man Hulk scene out, it doesn't really change the point, which is 
along the way in these movies, they've destroyed cities. Just, I mean, you, 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 blew, you destroyed a city in South Africa. It wasn't like it was the only city you've ever done that to. Every movie that they've done has destroyed a city. Yeah. No, I no, and as much as I did love that scene, it was one of my favorites. I hundred and ten percent agree with you because yeah, they could have already, the public could have already had that grudge against them, and you kind of really felt that when uh, he sent out his Iron Legion, stay oh. back, evacuate the city, all this stuff, and they were right. just throwing stuff at these robots because they knew who it was. Yeah, especially when you saw Stark on the side of it, so that could have already been a pre, you know, an already known notion that okay, maybe the public just already doesn't like it because of all the destruction that they've left. So no. I agree with you 110%. Yeah. So right. what's your bottom three? Okay. My, my, my number three is if the title is Age of Ultron, I'd kind of expect Ultron's reign to last a little longer than one movie. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and this could have been a two-parter also, and it probably would have worked better if it was. My number two, just like you, Ultron is a little too personable for me. <laughs> I'm sorry. His sense of humor is better than many's. And my number one... Thor going on a vacation in some cave pool. This was so not needed. Everything covered in that scene was done in Dark World. So was that the muscle needed to be shown in that in this film? Was that the eye candy? Maybe. <laughs> maybe it was. If it, if it was, that's totally cheap. It may have been, but I have a feeling that when Thor the Dark World is being written, so was this movie at the same time. And as we've seen with Episode 7 and Episode 8... If you write a movie at the same time another movie's being filmed, you're not always knowing how the continuity is going to be there. Yeah. Just saying. Now, we use an A to F scale here on the movie planet. A C is considered average. A is the highest. F is the lowest. If the movie is so bad it receives Fs from all the hosts, it goes to a new category of movie, the movie planet Global Killer or the Sokovia. A category of movie where you can watch it, <laughs> we can watch it ironically and have an amazing time at how bad it is. So the future is... Or the question is, what do you give Avengers Age of Ultron in the comic book feature film genre? Steve, do you want to go first or do you want to go second? Okay, here it goes. From start to finish, this movie is just all about action. Probably the most we've seen in any MCU movie. You can tell where they spent the money. There were new characters that were added to this team. Some were more mutant than superhero, in my opinion. The one question I have, is Vision, is he another Cap? He seems very self-righteous. And, they, and there can only be one pretty boy you know, of for these movies. There can only be one self-righteous one. I cannot even begin to think about the amount of deaths that myself as an audience member overlooked in this film. From the rising of the city to the crashing through the Hulkbuster scene, one of my favorites, I just overlooked any kind of destruction or, you know, or all these deaths. I felt sad just thinking about that. I have a new segment that I would like to start, that I should have started a long, long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. And that is my villain analysis. So we're going to start this one with Ultron. First off, I hated his personality. And his quick whips were very human-like for an AI. Jarvis was like that, but he was a little bit more mild and still reminded us that he was a computer. Ultron had a very simple plan. Blow up the world. Blah, boring. Again, I never thought throughout this movie that the Avengers were being screwed by him. He, I didn't feel like he was intimidating like Thanos or like Loki or like Red Skull. And Thanos probably has the least amount of screen time than any of these characters. I just never got that, oh, these are real threat. What was really cool was getting closer to Wakanda and all of that storyline. 
Sure, it would. It's sure to make Black Panther even cooler. I never knew about any of this the first time that I saw it, and completely went over my head when I saw Black Panther, and I didn't put the two and two together. I didn't even do that when it was in. I can't remember which Iron Man it was when it was Nick Fury and Iron Man at the end, and talking about you know Wakanda then and some thing that they had in Africa. So, yeah, the biggest complaint. This movie felt so long. Now, I know that this is not as long as Infinity War or even Endgame, but there's something to be said that when a movie feels long, when it's actually not the longest film, I never felt that Endgame was a drag and it was long. There was a lot of action towards the end of it, and it started to feel a little draining. I have always been taught from my parents, especially from my father, love the man to death, that if you want something done right, I'll do it myself. And holy hell, what the F is that Infinity Gauntlet? It is so awesome. I want to know more. And when I first saw that, I didn't know anything about the Infinity Gauntlet at all. But I was hooked. It was good to watch. Below the first Avengers, it was great to see them all fighting together. But I never truly felt that they couldn't beat Ultron. And that was a big one for me. I give the movie a solid Joe, it's your turn, buddy. Okay. Uh, For me, this movie is all about moments. Unfortunately, by giving us a bunch of moments, you run the risk of losing track of your story. I mean, we can point out how cool the Hulk versus Iron Man scene was, or the soul car chase is, or the Ultron fight at the end, but does it serve the pacing of the movie well? No. I love the new characters in Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch, but as cool as they are, I almost wonder why we needed them in this movie. The only rationale I can think of is so we could see what each of our heroes fears most. But I also think that that could have been explored in a different way, perhaps at Hawkeye's house. Ultron as an idea makes a lot of sense. But as soon as they said artificial intelligence and having it take over for the Avengers, I immediately knew it was a bad idea because I've seen Terminator. I know about Skynet. And guess what? Terminator is in their universe. They've seen the movie too. I know Ultron is a big bad, but he's vanquished way too easily for someone who lives in the internet. I mean, actually, there's no way to truly destroy him. If he's in the internet, there's no way to destroy him. He should have shown up later in the movies in some way, shape, or form. But this is the last time we see this guy. So what exactly does this movie give us that is relevant to the entire Infinity Saga? Um, Scarlet Witch and Vision. And I'd say Quicksilver, but he's a one-off who is never referenced again in subsequent movies. You got the idea that the scepter is the Mind Stone, which we kind of put together in previous movies. We've got Hawkeye's family. We have Hulk's reason for leaving the group. We get the amount of damage to cities in this film, mainly, mainly Sokovia, which leads to the Sokovia Accords and Civil War, which partially breaks up the group. We get the Avengers Tower which gets moved to the Avengers building in upstate New York. And we get a post credit scene, which is inconsistent with what we learn about the Infinity Gauntlet in Infinity War. Unless, of course, that vault it, he's getting it from is from Eatree the Dwarf. But we have no idea. So, look, it's not a whole lot, considering we've gotten more from standalone movies. And it's why this is, in my opinion, the weakest of the Avenger team-up movies. There are a lot of plot holes in this movie, though, and it makes certain parts seem overly coincidental. For instance, at the end, listen, I thought the helicarriers were gone. 
Fury talks about pulling it out of mothballs, but if he doesn't work for S.H.I.E.L.D. anymore, then one, where did he get the manpower to fly one of these things? And two, where do you hide an extra helicarrier? I really like this movie, but it might be because of my love for the Marvel films in general. And that being said, I've often claimed that this movie was better than many thought, but here I am looking at it with unbiased eyes, and oof, to me, this doesn't really rate higher than a B-, so that's my final grade. Ugh. That puts Avengers Age of Ultron at an average score of an 8.5, which is a B-, and it ain't making the Pantheon, Steve. I mean, how many of these films in a row have just not made it in? <laughs> well, that's the hard part is it just hasn't made it in. We, the last movie we inducted into the Pantheon was, uh, let's see here, uh, Winter Soldier. Yeah. Yeah, that's the last one. We've got Ant-Man coming up next, though. So, hey, maybe. Yeah. It might surprise you, Steve. It might. I'm it might. I know you it. weren't too keen on it when you first saw it. Yeah. Uh, but, hey, let's get our critics' hats off. <sighs> Just the fun entertainment value. Do you love this movie, like this movie, or none of the above, Steve? I liked it for sure. It was fun to watch. What yeah. about you? Uh, well, I like this is the like. The sad part is it has everything that I love in it, but it's too long to love. <laughs> oh, it's got it. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> now, the ultimate question, would pre-college kids love this movie, like this movie, or none of the above, Steve? Uh, yes, they would love it. Um, there's enough going on screen that they won't see the squirrels running by. Joe? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say that they would definitely love this movie. I, I, I think they would just because there's enough cool parts to make a kid go, yeah, I can stay for another 20 minutes. And usually yeah. that's the dull part anyway. All right. Well, hey, we're done. That's all the time I've got for today, Movie Planeteers. Next show, we will continue our look at the Marvel Cinematic Universe with Ant-Man. You can email the movie. <laughs> you can already hear Steve's distaste in this. You can email the movie planet using the address movieplanetpodcast at gmail.com. If you enjoyed the show, subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Overcast, Podbean, or Spotify. Give us a four or five star review. Tweet with any questions, comments, theories, and I'll try to fit them into the show next time we're on the air. Send those tweets to Movie Planet Pod and like us on Facebook and Instagram using the links in the show notes. The opinions expressed on the Movie Planet podcast are those of the individual hosts, and the podcast is not affiliated with, prepared for, approved, or licensed by any entity that created any films discussed or reviewed herein. We are not bought and paid for, everybody. F*** them all. All movie movie clips and music included in the podcast are the intellectual property of the respective copyright holders. They are included here for the purpose of review, and no infringement is intended. Steve, is there anything you want to add for the good of the order? Ant-Man, the smallest of all the films. And arguably the best. No, I'm kidding. Okay, thanks for listening, and happy movie watching.